The following is brought to you by Canyon Ridge Church at Tacoma. For additional podcasts or information on service times and upcoming events, please visit us online at www.explorecrc.com. This past week, the president of the CDC came before Congress to ask answer their questions about all of the lapses in security that have been taking place there pertaining to deadly viruses. They had actually three vials of smallpox that they uh, misplaced, then they found them. Other, other terrible, deadly diseases that can wipe out entire cities been lost or found again, mishandled, all these security issues pertaining to these diseases. And I think it's a huge scare within our culture. You see it within pop culture and movies, World War Z is a whole about virus taking over the world, uh, Rise of the Planet of the Apes, which I just saw just a couple of weeks ago with my family. Cool movie. If you're into that kind of stuff, you'll enjoy it. But the opening scene to that movie or the credits that come up is the really similar to the video we just showed you about how a virus is taken over the earth and killed half the population. This is how we want you to think about these things that we're talking about in this series. This is how the Bible portrays them. These are soul killers. These are the bad ones. These are the really bad ones, the ones you want to really pay attention to, watch out for, be careful when you see this, when you encounter this, really be on your guard. And so today we're going to take a look at anger. Last week was lust and lies. You don't hear about that much in churches, but it's such a big one. We wanted to cover that, so we covered that last week. Today is anger. In the Old Testament, there's a list. You'll see it in the book of Proverbs. It says there are seven things that God hates. Uh, You may have heard of the seven deadly sins, but those are not the same thing. But it's a short list of some of the worst of the worst. And it's surprising to see what's not included on that list and what is. And so we're covering anger this morning because it is so absolutely deadly. Jesus gave a very harsh warning on, on anger in the Beatitudes, Matthew chapter 5. Read it for you really quick. You have heard that our ancestors were told, you must not murder. If you commit murder, you are subject to judgment. But I say, if you you are even angry with someone, you are subject to judgment. Here Jesus is comparing anger with murder. Nobody questions how severe murder is. I mean, that's a bad one. It's part of the Ten Commandments. That's been a part of every single culture on the face of the earth from the beginning of time. And here Jesus is now says something very shocking, something they'd never heard before. In fact, they said at the end of this whole Sermon on the Mount that he gave, it, Jesus spoke like one who has authority and someone they've never heard speak with such authority before. And he compares anger to murder. He says, think of it like that. You, you really think uh, murder's a bad one? I mean, that's not something that you think about contemplating or doing. In fact, most people would want nothing to do with it. Nothing to do with murder. Jesus says, think about anger the same way. Just as horrible, it's a bad one. 
I read a report this past week uh, that's saying that 50% of the people who come to counseling, receive counseling, are receiving counseling because of the problem of anger. It destroys everything it touches, destroys communication, destroys relationships, business agreements, parents and children's relationships. Everything anger touches, it kills. It's a deadly virus. And probably one of the reasons why it's so deadly is because people justify it. People don't see it as deadly. They think, well, that's just the way I'm made. Or that's, you know, we're Italian and Italians are hot-headed sometimes. Or we tend to justify our anger. Or even if somebody has offended us or hurt us or done something against us, we feel justified in having anger towards them because of what they've done. But the Bible teaches us something different. God has a plan. He set it out and his, his way is not something that we're normally familiar with. Anger is a part of the devil's strategy. This is something that he, is, he participates in. This is who he is. Jesus said that the devil came to steal, kill, and destroy. And anger is a part of that destructive process. It works something like this. You get offended. Somebody says something or does something to you that hurts your feelings. You do nothing. You don't do anything with it. You just sit on that anger. It develops into anger, resentment, bitterness, and then you get hooked. Like I said last week, the fisherman, he throws out the bait. The fish bites the bait, and then he yanks on that and sets the hook. So now he has control of that fish and make it do whatever he wants. That's exactly what the devil does with anger. The Apostle Paul said that very thing in Ephesians 4, which we'll look at a little bit later as well. But he said this, Don't, let sin, uh, don't sin by letting anger control you. Don't let the sun go down while you're still angry. For anger gives a foothold to the devil couple things he said here. Anger is a sin. He calls it a sin. And he says that if you allow anger to stay in your heart for a period of time, then it gives the devil a foothold over your life, and he's then able to control you. Nobody would want to be controlled by the devil. Now, anger is not always a sin. James calls it a sin there. And 99.9% of the time it is a sin. But there is that one chance that it's not. And the only place you see that in the Bible is what you would call righteous anger or righteous indignation. That's when you become angry in line with the purposes of God. So something God's angry at, and then you're, you're in agreement with God on him, on that, his purposes, not your own, but his that anger can be good. But most of the anger that you and I use is not righteous anger. Most of it is sinful anger. There's also a type of anger that is really a trigger. It, it, it triggers when somebody has violated your boundaries, usually with kids. You know, you set boundaries for your children and when they violate those boundaries, an anger trigger goes off inside of you, tells you, hey, somebody has violated the boundaries. In that case, 
it's normal. There's also a thing called a stress storm. I think stress storms happen to everyone, but they usually attack men more than women, I think. And a stress storm is when you are carrying the burden of your family. You're dealing with paying all the bills and your career and making enough money and keeping everybody happy and meeting the needs of the family and dealing with outside attacks on the family and different situations and the relationships and all these pressures that are just swirling around inside of your head. You know, scientists are actually taking, taking electrodes, put them on people's brains and you can see their brain act in like a tornado of this stress and this pressure that is going on inside. And that can cause a person under that type of environment to explode with a response of anger. Something similar can happen to women when you have a hormonal imbalance, a chemical imbalance. I mean, I don't care how great of a Christian you are, when you don't have what you need physically you're going to have a terrible time dealing with anger. You're going to be weak in that area. You're going to be susceptible to it. So uh, sometimes women need to have help in that area and, and have some other things that help them balance out themselves physically. And I think that they should do that because um, this can cause it to make it even more difficult. Now, having PMS or having a lot of stress doesn't excuse you. The Bible never says that it's okay to lash out in anger unless it's that righteous anger. But we know most of the time that's not the case. And so we have these struggles. We can overcome them, and God gives us a way to do that. I'll share it here with you in just a moment. Anger is a sin, usually, because it's used to deliberately hurt people. That's when it crosses the line. And parents, I think, sometimes justify their anger because they're disciplining their children. Well, he broke the rules, crossed the line here, and so they feel justified in their anger and responding to their kids. But hear me, the Bible does not support this. Nowhere in the Bible do you see it giving us a license to unleash our anger on our children, or anyone for that matter. In fact, the Bible clearly says, this is how you should discipline. Very clear. It's not left up to us to guess what God thinks about this. You look at Galatians chapter 1, chapter 6. Galatians 6, this is the Apostle Paul speaking here. And he says, listen, when you confront someone, someone who's caught in a sin, You who live by the Spirit, so if you're a follower of Christ, you should restore that person. What does it say? Can you say it louder? Gently. So how do you confront somebody? Screaming at them, ripping their head off, ripping them a new one, telling them how it is, blasting them, swearing at them? No. I can't find that anywhere. I've looked. Listen, I'm a father of four boys. If I could find something in there that would support that, I'd grab it. There is nothing. All right? If you're going to confront somebody, the Bible clearly says it must be done gently. Now, the reason why this is the case is because from God's point of view, our sense of justice is skewed. 
It's messed up because we ourselves sin. You look here, he goes on the next verse after that. He says, listen, you need to look at your own sin as you're confronting somebody else, lest you also fall into the same trap, okay? So we sin all the time. We have a sinful nature. And so our sense of justice is all skewed. And so God says, if you're going to discipline somebody, if you're going to correct somebody, you must do it within this per- these parameters or it becomes sin. What are those parameters? Well, with humility, with gentleness, not raising your voice and screaming and yelling and getting out of control, but with gentleness, and also making sure that the standard of measure that you use you got to understand that same thing will be used on you. So in the, in the way you treat your children, you can expect God to treat you that way. He, he goes on to verse 7. You look at it there. It says that you reap what you sow. You reap what you sow, he says. So that means if you are ha- handing out wrath and anger and judgment continually on everyone around you, then you can expect to receive that in return. Because you reap what you sow. So you're going to give people mercy and grace. Then that's what you're going to receive. So your boss is just riding you and he's after you and he's attacking you. And people at work are gossiping about you and complaining and lying. And you're just getting all these battles on every front. And take a look at what you're sowing at home. Are you sowing all kinds of anger and and hate and blasting people at home because you're obviously reaping that at work so as you reap what you sow so show people mercy when people offend me and hurt me that happens every week i always think to myself how would i want to be treated if this was me if i was caught doing this i'll tell you i want mercy i always want mercy so that's what i'm going to give to them a couple of weeks ago we were robbed Guys came in a couple times in the evening, stole a bunch of stuff from the church, really important stuff like microphones and computers and stuff that we use all the time. And my first thought was, if I got caught doing something like that, what would I want? I would want mercy. So I began praying for their mercy, that God would have mercy for them and love for them, because that's what I want when I do something wrong. You reap what you sow. So God says, fine, go ahead and judge. Go ahead and rebuke. Go ahead and correct. But make sure you do it within these parameters or you're going to have destruction. It's going to destroy. It's not going to build up. Every time you rebuke a child or correct a child, it's for one purpose, to restore. Never to harm. Never to hurt or destroy. It's for redemption, to build up, to bring, make them stronger as people and as children restoration. Think of it like this. We're talking about uh, our sense of justice being skewed. Let's say you were driving down the the highway and uh, you had a few many too many glasses of wine, okay? So you, you know it's wrong. You shouldn't do it. You shouldn't drink and drive. You blew it. You did it. You're driving along and you get pulled over and you're thinking, uh oh, I'm really in for it now. I'm gonna get a DUI or something bad. A policeman comes up to your door and he, you know, you put down your window and you recognize him. You know that guy. You know that guy because he was on the news 
he had been arrested for DUI. A policeman who was arrested for DUI. In fact, he even went to prison. And then they let him out, and then they let him back on the force. So it's a far-fetched, right? Okay. Probably not going to happen. But then he comes up to your window, and you know he's got all these issues with drinking and driving. And he unleashes hell on you. He says, I can't believe you did this. You're drinking and driving. You loser. Don't you know that's against the law? You could have killed somebody. You could have hurt people. I'm going to just lift. And he just lets you have it. What are you thinking that whole time? You're thinking, how dare you lecture me? You, the guy who, you are such a hypocrite. If you're going to talk to me about that, you better come to me with gentleness, mercy, kindness, self-control, lower your tone of voice, because you're just as guilty. Right? And see, that's how God sees it. He looks at us and says, yeah, you're just as guilty. Look at all the things that you've done that I know about that nobody else knows, but I saw you do it. Stuff you don't want your parents to know. Stuff you don't want your spouse to know. But I know all of it. So how dare you climbing on other people, letting them have it with all your anger and rage when you yourself do bad things as well? Well, sure, maybe you're not doing what they're doing, but you got plenty of other things you're doing. And so God says, don't do that. Don't do that. Confront people in gentleness, in quietness, in meekness, in self-control, because you yourself are also guilty of other things. A little farther down in this passage, he gives a a strong warning. He says, you reap what you sow. If you show mercy, you'll get mercy. And then he ties it all together and says, listen, don't give up. Don't give up in doing good because in due time, you will reap a good harvest if you follow this. Family therapist Ross Campbell, who's written a bunch of books, and I highly recommend them. Um, He wrote a a really great book on how to love your children, how to love your angry teenager, and so on and so forth. Excellent books. But he said this, when you scream and yell at a child, you just unleash anger on a child. You, You have an angry face, angry tone of voice. You're just letting them have it. A child does not hear what you're saying. All they hear you saying is, I don't love you. Those are the words they hear. Now, you're using other words like, why did you throw the rock at our neighbor's Mercedes? Okay, which would get any parent a little hot because that's going to be expensive. But a small child is not able, at least at that age yet, to make the correlation between throwing a rock, denting the door, causing my dad embarrassment and having to pay thousands of dollars. They don't make that correlation. They just grab the rock and toss it. And so if you say to your kids over and over and over and over every day of their lives, I don't love you, what message are they going to get when they're 18? A very clear message that you don't love them and you want nothing to do with them. And so then now they will begin the process of dishing back to you 
all that you gave to them all those years. So it's important to confront children with, what is it? Gentleness. Gentleness and kindness. Speaking to them with respect. It's like you'd speak to your boss. Treating them like human beings. Showing them mercy. So let's look at how you would deal with this problem of anger. I'm going to give you four concrete steps. You can follow these. It will change your life, okay? It's found in Ephesians chapter 4. I love this about the Bible. So practical. I mean, literally, just right here will show you how to handle anger in your life. Every time you follow this, it works. Ephesians chapter 4. You can call it something like, uh, right in your program there, something like, Four from Ephesians 4, something like that. Number one, he says in verse 15 of chapter 4, the way you deal with anger is you're honest and you speak up. You got to be honest and you got to speak up. That's the one thing people don't do, okay? They don't do this. We can't read people's minds, and so we don't know what they're thinking or what going through their mind as to why they said what they said or did what they did. And so you have to clarify. You got to speak up and say, hey, when you said that the other day, were you trying to just just hit me a good one? I mean, you were you were just trying to get me? No, no, I was, you know, I was, you know, I was worried about this and that and it, it came out wrong. Okay. But you've got to say something. You got to speak up. He says here, speak the truth in love. Now, the truth by itself is destructive. It destroys. You can't just live by the truth. The truth can only be productive to build up when it's used with grace. It's the truth and grace working together. Here's a simple, simple example. I think you'll understand it. You're driving along in the car and your spouse has bad breath, which, you know, it happens to people, right? It's happened to me. It's happened to you bad breath, and you turn over and you say, man, your breath smells like death. Will you roll out a window? Yeah, that's the truth, right? You just told them the truth, right? You didn't lie. You didn't embellish. That was the truth. Now, here's the truth with grace. Darling, may I get you a stick of gum? Does that person get the message? Did they get the truth? They say to you, oh, do I need a mint? Mm -hmm, You do. You see? They got the same message. One was with grace. One was without. All right? But we do this all day long. All day long. And some people are really good at telling the truth. Man, they are laser beam. They are laser beam. They know the truth, and they're just laying it out all day long. And it's very destructive. So he said, no, speak the truth in love. Don't ignore it. If somebody offends you or hurts you or makes you angry, causes you to have an angry response, you've got to speak up. You got to say something. You got to call that person. You got to get get in contact with them and confront that. If you don't, then you're going to have to live with the anger that's going to begin to develop in your life and in your heart. 
Well, how do you go to that person? How do you go to your husband and tell him that missing your anniversary was very hurtful and, and destructive and made you feel rejected and he doesn't even love you or wouldn't like you? And, you know, you're just all these issues that you have. Now, how do you go to your husband and tell him? You call him up and say, hey, you're such a loser. You forgot our anniversary. I hate you. Okay, no, 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 that's not what he said, right? We've gone over that. Galatians 6.1, he said, go to him with gentleness to restore. That's the process you use. And so you go to your husband and you speak to him gently with the purpose of restoring that relationship. That's how we speak to people. Two, he says, keep it current. In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry. When I was a lot younger, remember Joy and I had this big fight. It's probably 30 years ago and big fight. And, and uh, so, well, it couldn't have been 30 years ago. 26 years, 25. Uh, anyway, so we have this big fight. And I knew this verse. And I thought, to myself, well, we got to work this out. We, gotta, we can't go to sleep without... It says, don't go, let the sun go down. So we stayed up all night long duking it out, fighting back and forth till four in the morning until five. We were both just so exhausted we gave up. Okay? That's not what this means. It means don't allow a long period of time to happen between offenses. They're like cobwebs that form inside of our mind. You know, you're... You're, somebody said something you didn't like or did something that hurt your feelings or hurt you, and a week goes by. Well, now it's that spider's building a cobweb there. And after a while, you get so many of them, that's all you see. When you see that person, you don't see that person. All you see is all the offenses, all the things they've said, everything they've done. So you got to take those down by going back to step one and talking to them about it. Don't let the sun go down on your anger. Well, you really, really burned me and betrayed me, and I'm really hurt about it. Oh, my gosh, I don't realize I did that. What happened? When did I say that? When did I do that? Back in 64. What? When we were three? Uh Uh-huh. Come on now. Keep it current, he says. That's way too long. Don't. Live in relationship with somebody always on the basis of the past. But to deal with those things in the past, get them out of the way, and stay current. Let's live with what's in front of us, not with what's behind us. So if you've got something that you're still dragging along, that you've had for years, maybe today is the day to bring that to an end. Put an end to that and start going forward. Quit dragging all this baggage. Number three, attack the problem, not the person. This is hard to do sometimes, especially when they're right in our face. Verses 29 and 31, he talks about this. He says, listen, don't let any bad words come out of your mouth. When you're confronting someone, when you're talking to them, don't use the bad words. What are the bad words? Well, do you need to ask? You know what they are, Right? The bad words, you know the bad words. We don't need to tell you what those are, all right? Besides, we're recording this. Don't use those because those tear down, and the whole purpose of it is to build up. So if you're going to use words that tear down, you're immediately going outside of the parameters that God set, and it's going to be destructive. It's going to destroy you. 
Proverbs 15.1 even says this. It's so detailed. It says, listen, use a, it says, low tone of voice. Isn't that great? Isn't that beautiful? How, how practical the Bible says when you're, when you're confronting somebody, speak softly and a nice tone of voice. Because when you're in a rage, when you're angry like that, it causes destruction and death. Separate the person from the problem. You're such a liar. Well, that's taking the, what, the event that happened and putting it on the person and calling them the same. And that's not right. That, God says that we, God didn't create a liar. You know, you're just a strange invention that God has, and he created a liar, and there you are. I mean, no, he created a person. He created a valuable, precious, unique person, and so we treat that person based on that value, not based on what they did. Again, this is mercy, right? This is mercy and grace. This is what you want. This is what you want. So this is how you treat somebody else. And the last one for is we act on these things. We don't react. When you react, you're going to be out of control. If you wait, wait a little bit, get composure, and then act, it'll be much better. Be kind and compassionate to other verses 31 and 32, because Christ has also forgiven you. Now, these are four simple steps you can take to protect yourself from this deadly virus that will destroy your life. I grew up in a home with an angry parent, and I could tell you firsthand that this that anger destroys everything, everything. And so I, when I became 18, I had so much anger inside of me, it was borderlining on murder, okay? And it's destructive in everything it touches. And so I had to go and I had to begin to learn this process and deal with this and unload all of this anger that I was carrying. But let me tell you, You're not perfect, okay? So you're going to blow it, especially if your kids are with you this morning here. Like last service, uh, one of the little boys spoke up and said, Daddy, did you hear that? Um, If your kids are here, they're going to bring this up to you. The pastor said, or maybe your spouse, even on the way home today, is going to say, what, do you need to hear the pastor, what he said? Come on now. You're going to blow it, Okay? I blew it this past week. I blow it on a regular basis. I sin. You going to fire me? I sin. And so uh, I had to go to my son. And I went to him and I said, son, I was angry. I said the wrong thing to you. And I'm sorry. Please forgive me. And I meant it. All right. You don't have to be perfect. You're going to blow it. It's a process you learn. You learn how to respond according to the way God wants you to. But if you will follow up and take responsibility with how you behave, then God's grace will cover you. Your children will forgive you. Your spouse will forgive you. And you will be able to move on. But only if you will take responsibility for it. You'll be surprised how forgiving kids are. Kids are great at forgiving their mom and dad when they ask them to. Maybe your 
uh, sitting here and you're listening to this and you're thinking, wow, that's, I, I, I made a lot of mistakes with my kids and your kids are all grown now. Here's a recommendation. Sit down this afternoon and write your kids a letter. Write them a letter and say, you know what? I was, I was angry with you a lot and I, I never went to you and, and I want to deal with that now. I'm, I want to change my ways. I'm learning. Please forgive me. I'm so sorry. Da, da, da. You know, write them a letter. And mail that off to your kids. See what happens. All right? Maybe they won't do anything. Maybe they're, they're just so angry at you now. Uh, they can't deal with that. But at least you're doing your part to turn this thing around and deal with this terrible, terrible disease. And lastly, let me say this. You have the Holy Spirit to help you. He wants you to turn away from this. He doesn't want the devil to have you all caught up in anger. He wants to set you free. This is God's will for your life. I don't have to pray about this. I know this. This is will for your life for you to be free from this. So the Holy Spirit will help you if you will ask him. We say, well, I don't know if I'm really that angry. I mean, I lose my temper and we all do. So right now you're immediately excusing it. And so you say, I'm not sure. Here's how you find out. Okay. If you really want to know, really want to know, Go ask your family. They'll tell you. So go to your kids and say, am I an angry person? And then wait for the answer. Okay? They'll tell you. Ask your spouse, am I an angry person? They'll tell you. All right? And whatever you, the answer you get, you take responsibility for it. All right? You, you deal with that, and then God will help you. If you deny it, if you push it aside, if you say, well, they deserved it, blah, 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 then you're going to be stuck with that for the rest of your life, and it's going to destroy everything you have. You may find yourself even at the end of your life with nothing, no relationships, nothing, just because of the destructive power of anger. And God doesn't want that for you. And I don't either. 